Amen. Good morning, faith family. Can we just praise the Lord for what he's done so far this morning? Yes. Hey, listen, grab your Bibles and turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4 this morning. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Today, we have a special uh, Sunday in front of us. We have had the privilege in the last couple of services of ordaining uh, deacons to serve as deacons here at Apex Baptist Church. And so uh, 9 o'clock service, we ordain Brad Mallard. And uh, 1015, we ordain Ethan Meadows. And today for the 1130 service, we have the privilege of ordaining Ben Smith. So we're excited uh, about that. We have his wife, Holly, with us. And their four boys, Holden, Levi, Henry, and Landon. So we're excited uh, to see these young men and uh, to be able to celebrate in this deacon ordination today. And so we're going to dive into that in just a moment. Let me just ask you, statistically speaking, just kind of following up on what Pastor Caleb uh, said a few moments ago, how many of you have your Christmas decorations up already? Raise your hand. All right, you people don't like Thanksgiving. Um, how many of you, how many, I'm, I'm totally joking. We have our, our uh, Christmas decorations up already too, and we love Thanksgiving. How many of you are excited for Thanksgiving? Come on. All right, cool, cool, cool. Um, so, man, we love Thanksgiving as well. Always look forward to Thanksgiving. Um, our family is so upset with us, though, because we started a new tradition a couple of years ago uh, of running a 5K on Thanksgiving morning, and our kids hate it, man. They hate it, uh, which makes it even more fun for us. I think that's why it's become a tradition is because they dislike it uh, so much. But we, we joke about that, and we have a great time, and we always look forward to Thanksgiving morning. Uh, so uh, I hope that this week is a great week for you as you celebrate with family and enjoy uh, the Thanksgiving services. Uh, you may notice I'm wearing a tie. I don't wear a tie very often. I wear a coat just about every week, but I uh, wear a tie for funerals and weddings and pastor deacon ordinations, those kind of things. I told the earlier services, I said, you know, when I die, I don't know if I'm going to be buried in a tie or not. I, I don't suppose I'll care uh, then, but I did say this. I said, when I, when I die, I do want the Florida Gators to be my pallbearers so that they can let me down one more time. You know what I'm saying? Like, they, <laughs> terrible, man. But our hope is not found in them. So praise the Lord for, for that. Hey, let me say this to you. Whether you realize it or not, you are setting an example. You may not realize that you're influencing someone, but you are influencing someone. When we think about this text here in 1 Timothy chapter 4, Ben and some of the other guys that were ordained today, we have recognized in them that they, by the grace of God, have set an example that is one to follow. It's not perfect because none of us are, but they have set an example of one to follow. And this is what we ought to do. We ought to always set an example, if you're a believer here in this room, that is honoring to Christ. And we're going to talk about that very thing today here in 1 Timothy chapter 4. I thought about this in terms of ministry. You know, sometimes ministry can be hard, man. And that's not me complaining. I, I absolutely love what God has called me to do. I'm in my almost 20th year of being a lead pastor, and I'm grateful to God for every moment along the way. But I can tell you that some days I have to fight not to go home and, and wear the weight of what has been going on in my household. And I don't always do a great job of that. But what I don't want to happen is I don't want my kids and I don't want my, my beautiful wife. I never want them to project some of the emotions that I have within the context of ministry onto the character of God. 
And so the Lord's really impressed that upon me over the last several years of just make, man, make sure you are setting an example that is pleasing and honoring to God in all spheres of life. And again, I don't do a great job across the board with that. None of us do. But you have to realize that you're always influencing someone. Well, today as we approach the book of 1 Timothy, we learn that this is Paul writing to a young pastor. Now, the deacon qualifications found in Timothy are found in chapter 3. You can read those. Uh, they're, they're very, very helpful to read. But I want to draw your attention to something in chapter 4 where Paul is speaking directly to Timothy about the example that he ought to set, which is exactly the example that deacons should set and exactly the, the example that every Christian should set. So this sermon is for all of us today. Paul is writing Timothy. He had met Timothy about 10 years prior to this in a place called Lystra in Asia Minor. And he's a young pastor in Ephesus who is well-respected amongst the Christians. And Paul is writing him to give him probably one of the most practical and explicit verses, text, books around church governance, speaking of elders and deacons, and what are those qualifications? I'd be considered an elder. We're talking about deacon ordination today. It talks about church discipline. It talks about how to conduct yourself during a, a worship gathering, and the list can go on and on and on. But one of the things that many people know about Timothy is he's a young pastor who even had stomach problems because he was nervous about this great responsibility that God had given him. And God used Paul to kind of calm him down and to show him, hey, here's how you are to operate within the context of the church. And here's the example that you are to set. It was really important to Paul that Timothy set an example of consistent faithfulness to God. And we want to talk about this consistent faithfulness. So if you're willing and able to stand in honor of reading God's word, please do so. First Timothy chapter 4, starting in verse 11. If you're there, we say amen. amen. It says this, command and teach these things. We'll talk about what these things are in just a second. Verse 12, let no one despise you for your youth. Remember, Timothy's young. Ben is a young man serving as a, a deacon, coming um, under the amazing example of, of Brother Staley, his daddy, who served here for many, many years. But now Brother Staley's old, and we got the young man coming. I'm just joking, I'm joking, Mr. Staley. There you are. Yes, sir. Um, Mr. Staley continues to be an incredible example. But uh, Timothy's a young man. And so Paul is saying, hey, don't let anyone despise you for that. But set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. May God bless the reading and proclamation of his word today. You may be seated. Verse 11, Paul is saying, teach these things. What are these things? Well, very simply put, it's the word of God. In the previous verses, we see Paul talking about what it means to be a good servant of God. Verse 7, for example, speaks of training yourself up for godliness. You know, we train ourselves for a lot of things. Maybe you work out relentlessly in the gym to bring your physical body under subjection. Uh, maybe you do this through cardio or lifting weights or a mix of both or boxing or MMA or whatever. Man, these folks put a lot of time and a lot of energy, and Paul says, man, that's of some value. That's a good thing. But what about your entire life being connected? The physical is connected to the emotional. It's connected to the mental. 
is connected to the spiritual. We must train ourselves up for godliness so that we honor the Lord in the way that we operate with our life. Now, the Greek term for deacon is diakonos, which means very clearly to serve. And there's high expectations around this, and it should not be taken lightly because at the core of being a deacon, it is to serve. We are to be servant leaders. Now, this isn't a text, again, only for pastors or only for deacons. It's for every Christian. We are all called to serve. Let's see the example that we are called to set as we serve. When we look at verse 12, we see Paul just lay this out. He gives a few things for us to put into our pocket and to take home. He says, first of all, set the example. Remember, Timothy is young, and it was quite possible that many church people would look at young Timothy and say, hey, look, bro, I've been married for 20 years and you just got married or I've had kids for so long and you don't have kids or your kids are young or I've lived life and you've not lived life. So what experiential wisdom or experiential knowledge can you give to me as a young man? Paul's saying, man, don't let nobody despise you because of your youth, but set an example. So how was Timothy to overcome his youthfulness as he was in a position of leadership. Well, he had to do this by dying to self, which by the way, never goes away. The rest of our lives, we are to die to our own selfishness so that we can pursue selflessness and honor Jesus in the way we operate in our daily conduct. You see, Timothy was able to prove his maturity by leaning not on his own understanding, but on the wisdom, on the hope, and on the leadership of God. Here's some ways to do it. Paul says, well, you have to do it in the way that you talk. So if you want to set that example and grow in maturity, pay attention to your speech. He had to think about what he said. He had to think about the way that he said what he said. We all know we can say the wrong thing. We know we can say the right thing. But how many of you know this to be true? You can say the right thing the wrong way. You know, sometimes we even boast in our, our, our ability to be right in our speech, but what about the way in which you said it? You know, I wonder, how many, I wonder how many relationships have been severed because of someone being right, but the way that they were right was so, so wrong. You know, I think about, I think about that all the time as we think about the way we communicate with one another, man. We don't want to just go into this headspace of, oh, I'm right, and I can just kind of posture myself however I want. No, man, you got to think about what you say and how you say it. We have to control our tongue, and we can control conversations that we are a part of, at least our part of it, if we would only pay attention to our speech Colossians 4, 6 says, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Proverbs 17, 27, whoever restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Spurgeon said it this way, he that can rule his tongue can rule his whole body. That comes from James. If you can control that horse with that bit in your mouth, man, you can, you can control the whole body just by using that, that bit. At last, the unruly member destroys peace and happiness in thousands of cases. We've seen this to be true. Our words can sting and cut and hurt. The tongue can no man tame, meaning we don't have the ability to fix that on our own, but the grace of God can tame it. 
And that man begins with the prospect of happiness whose tongue can be tamed by the grace of God. Do you know that you are a happier person whenever you can walk in this, this ability to say, man, I'm free from all of the bitterness that I constantly spew or the gossip or the backbiting, the things behind closed doors where I'm just throwing darts at people. You can walk in freedom from that if you would only ask the Lord in his grace to tame your speech. Use your words for good, man. Build one another up, edify one another, encourage one another. You know, I think about this brother right here, Brother Jimmy. Uh, gosh, it's been over a year ago now or so. I remember I, man, I was going through a, a tough time, and he just, he just cold called me, man. He called me, and, and I'd never talked to Brother Jimmy on the phone. And, man, he, he spent, I don't know, five, ten minutes just encouraging the fire out of me. And then he was the one who would always meet with me, always gather with me and say, hey man, let's go for a walk. Let's do a workout. But you know, it wasn't so much about the physical. He was there to encourage me with his words. I praise the Lord when I ruptured my Achilles because he's about to kill me, y'all. I'm telling you, but it was good. It was good. It was all good. Uh, but I remember very, very well just that intentionality on his part to say, I want to use my speech to build this brother up. Grateful for people like that. Have you ever met that person that's the opposite of that? Aren't they fun to be around? Come on. Y'all don't start. I see all the wives elbowing us. That's you, right? But we, listen, we, we know people like that, and, and it's easy to say it that way. Sometimes it's us. A lot of times it's us. But we have to be very careful. Here's, here's why. Man, you are setting an example when you do that. It's just not a good one. Don't be the one who is setting the tone in your household for your children if you have youngins in the home. Or for your friends when they come to visit you, if you have friends in your home. Don't be the one that's the one that's making a beeline towards a conversation that is throwing darts at people. Gossip and backbiting and always talking about the things that are wrong. Man, God help me. I think about things that I've said in the past and I'm, I've been guilty here. Can you believe what this person did? Can you believe what that person did? And we find ourselves going down this awful, awful pathway that is displeasing to God. Pay attention to your speech. You know, a little poison can taint the entire glass of water. So you could be living 95% of your speech in such a good way, but this is that 5%, man. It's messing everything up. And so we got to pay attention to our speech. This matters so very much. I, I don't know that I should quote this person, but I thought there was enough truth in here for me to say this to you because it's a little bit aggressive. I, I'm not even quite sure who said it, but I read this recently. It said, if you really want to be a rebel, do a couple things. Get a job, cut your grass, read your Bible, and watch your mouth because there ain't a whole lot of people that are doing that. And I thought, man, isn't there a lot of truth to that? Let's just focus on the last part. Watch what you say. There's not a whole lot of people that do that. And we can't get our, our ability to operate from cultural standards. We have to honor God with our speech. And this is not a loss of your voice. No, we are to use our voice, but to use it for good in a loving way, in a respectful way, in a godly way. So in your speech, set an example, but also in your behavior, set an example. Timothy was to have conduct that was disciplined, conduct that was controlled, are we sober-minded, which is to be calm and confident and collected? 1 Peter 2.12 says, Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. What does this mean? This means that the way we behave, the way we operate, needs to be in such a way that's pleasing to God. We read the Bible like a soldier that's on a mission, not like a scholar on sabbatical. 
What does that mean? That means that as we feast off of God's word, it's not just for us to say amen in an ethereal manner. No, we are to say amen in the way that it influences our daily conduct. For example, if there's a sermon about marriage and you're convicted about some of the ways that you're operating or a sermon about purity and you're convicted in some of the ways that you're operating or a sermon about your tongue and you're convicted about your speech, the worst thing for you today is to say, amen, praise the Lord, I get it, and go out and leave unchanged. The best thing for you to do is to say, I'm reading this like a soldier on mission, man. I need this. I need this ammunition. So that I can go out there and realize that, man, by God's grace and by God's grace alone, can I honor him in my speech? Can I honor him in my purity? Can I honor him in my marriage? And the list can go on and on and on. We shouldn't look like the world. We should be set apart in our conduct, pursuing holiness, pursuing godliness, being set apart by God to say, God, it's not that I'm better than anyone else, but I don't want to look like everyone else. My conduct should not look like the rest of the world. I should look different than the world. For you said in 1 John, this is what the Lord says, do not love the world or the things in the world. For if you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. This doesn't mean hate everything out there. It means the things that the world has called acceptable and good and right. Push against that and run towards godliness. Be set apart, man. In your behavior, be set apart. But also, not only your speech and your behavior, but also in your love. There are four kinds of love in, loves in, in the Greek. You have eros, which is a physical type of love between the opposite sexes. You also have this storge, which is like a parental type of love. And then you have phileo, which is a husband, wife, or best friend type of love. And then there's this agape type of love. It's the love of the mind and the reason and the will. It's a charitable, selfless kind of love. And it's demonstrated so well in how God has loved us. He has loved the ungodly, the unworthy, the undeserving. As a matter of fact, in Romans, while we were yet enemies, Christ died for us. We are to take that kind of love and live it out in our daily lives, and we can only do this through the power of God. It's a love that reaches out, a love that overflows, a love that multiplies. It's a love for the orphan and the sick and the widow and the poor and the prisoner and the homeless and the hateful and the unclean and the enemy, and that list can go on and on and on. But we are called to love. So in your speech, set an example. In your behavior, set an example. In your love, Set an example, but also in your faithfulness. As I said a few moments ago, ministry is difficult. And Ben, he already knows this to be true. It can be tough serving in a leadership role in the life of the church. Why? Because we are all imperfect. We are imperfect. Collectively, we are imperfect. But we have the responsibility to honor Christ and to love his church and to realize that we love because he first loved us. And that leads us to be faithful to him. We want to be loyal to Jesus, loyal to the local body of believers that we serve, regardless of the demands or the hardships or the temptations or the trials or the oppositions. We want to honor Jesus. Romans 12, 11 says, in order for us to be faithful, we need to not be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Faith is not just what we believe internally. It's how we behave externally. So God, help me to be a man of faith. God, help me to be faithful 
Help me to be consistent. God, help me not to be that type of person that's really zealous in one season, but then just really fall off. And then really zealous. No, God, help me to be consistent. You know, if you want to get in shape, physically speaking, here's all it takes. Be very consistent in your diet and be consistent in working out. It's probably 80% diet and then 20% working out. I'm probably getting those statistics wrong. But if you're consistent there, like if you 80% of the time are consistent, right? And, and you're just saying, you know what? I, I, I'm going to live my life in such a manner that I'm not working out at Planet Fitness in Fuquay and then pulling through Krispy Kreme on the way home. Come on, somebody. There's some duplicity there. If I'm not doing that and I'm staying consistent, then over time, I'm going to see some benefits, right? There's some things that will happen as kind of this cumulative effect over time whenever I allow myself to be consistent, 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 consistent. What we are called to do as believers is to be consistently faithful. I'm not going to be faithful today and on fire today and then just fall off the wagon tomorrow. And listen, by God's grace, we know that we all mess up. We know that we all have flaws. I'm not suggesting perfection here. What I'm saying is, are you a man or are you a woman in this room who's consistent in your faithfulness to God? Where are you today in your walk with him? Here's the last part. Uh, Timothy's also called and charged by Paul to be an example in his purity. This is a, a moral and clean and just and honest life, free from covetousness, free from worldliness, not self-seeking. We can't let, can I say this to you? We can't let our purity standards be dictated by the world. <laughs> if we're looking at what's on television and what's on social media uh, that's coming from the world and we're saying that's how I need to operate in terms of purity, we're wrong, man. We're wrong. So we have to allow ourselves to walk in purity, and that purity has to come from the standard that God has set. We could do a whole sermon on this, and that's not what I want to do right now, but can I just say this to you? This isn't just white-knuckling your way through this like weird purity culture. We did that in the past where we made commitment after commitment after commitment. We made people sign cards and gave them rings and said, hey, just do your best because if you really love Jesus, you're going to do your best. And people are trying so hard just to white knuckle their way through it. And then they fall every stinking time. That's not the angle here. We must see what St. Augustine once said. He said, God bestows more consideration on the purity of the intention with which our actions are performed than the actions themselves. What does that mean? That means that it's God who must change our heart, man. It's not that I'm just trying to commit even though I don't want to. It's no, man, that stuff's not even appetizing to me anymore because God's changed my heart. I've got a new name. I have new pursuits. And if I'm not careful, I will try to put on those old clothes of who I used to be, but I'm walking in the new clothes that Christ has given me according to Colossians. And I want to honor him in my purity. Why? Because he's changed my heart. Now my intentions are different. It's not that I'm just trying within my own strength to make it work. Listen, if you do that, you're going to fall into worldly temptation every single time. But if you'll see Christ as more glorious, now you're going to see, wow, it's not just about checking all the boxes. It's about honoring Jesus, fearing God more than I fear upsetting people in the world, man. Listen, we're not, we're not trying to just throw darts of opposition at people within the world. The gospel in and of itself is offensive enough, but we got to be willing to live it out and say, God, help me to honor you with the decisions that I make as I pursue purity. So Timothy was charged with this in his speech, in his behavior, in his love, in his faithfulness, and in his purity. 
Paul is saying, set an example. The good news is, as stated earlier, Ben represents these really well. Not perfectly because none of us are, but he is a man that God has seen uh, within the, the confirmation of people within our church and leadership in our church that, that we, have, we have affirmed that, man, this is a man who is seeking to honor Jesus in all these areas. What about you? What about you? Are you at a place in your life today where you're saying, man, I, I just have that desire to honor God? Or maybe as we walk through these today, you're checking some boxes of, of these things saying, man, I'm so far off. I've done a terrible job in these areas. Can I just encourage, really, this is my goal today, just be an example in speech before you and encourage the fire out of you. Can I just tell you today that there's hope for you? <laughs> like you can walk out of here different than you walked in. I was able to share with someone earlier this morning that said, man, I'm just ate up about some of the things that I've done in the past. And I've, I've been forgiven. I, I've, I've sought the Lord's forgiveness and I've sought the restoration, but it just eats me up. And I was able to look at him and say, we all have to walk in that same grace every single day because we all got some junk, do we not? But by God's grace, man, we can walk in that freedom and restoration and hope today saying, God, help me to honor you in the way that I set an example. God, help me to honor you in the way that I live my life. So as we bring this sermon to a close, I'm going to bring uh, in just a few moments Ben and Holly and uh, th three other boys up on, uh, not on stage, but right down front here. We're going to pray for them. But before I do, I told Ben, I've got a couple questions for you. And he's just going to say, I will. Now, if he says I won't, then I don't really know what to do. We'll just have to figure out how we go from here. Uh, but I'm pretty confident how he'll answer these. But I'm just going to ask a few charging questions. Ben, will you love Jesus most, love his church, and continue to seek and grow and mature in your faith? Ben, will you love your family as you should and lead them as God intends you to? Ben, will you strive to live in accordance to the biblical qualifications set forth in 1 Timothy chapter 3, thus being a witness to our congregation and other congregations? Ben, will you do all that you can to preserve unity in this church? Ben, will you support and work with your pastors and assist them as needed? And lastly, Ben, will you support the ministries and the work of this church and be an encourager? Well, my brother, based on your profession, I, I charge you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to fulfill the responsibilities of the office of deacon to the best of your abilities, depending fully on the Lord and his power. So church, can you join me in just congratulating Ben? And church, I have, I have one charge for you as a, as a faith family, and the answer here is a simple, we will. But deacons need your prayers in order to continue to set that example and to be servant leaders. And I just want to ask you as members of Apex Baptist Church to encourage this brother by committing to praying for him as he serves our faith family. So will you, church, commit to pray for Ben as he serves in this new deacon role? We will. Praise the Lord. All right, uh, Ben, Holly, boys, if you guys would just come down front here. I don't invite every ordained uh, man in the room, pastor, deacon, if you'll come forward and just gather around uh, Ben and his family. Awesome. Thank you. We lost the deacon certificate for just a minute. Thank you, Nathan. <laughs> so, Ben, here's your deacon certificate. We also, I know y'all, oh, we got all four boys. Yep. Good. There we go. 
Um, I know y'all have some extra, you got an extra hand there. Y'all look sharp. Uh, got a certificate and a gift for the family here. So we, uh, we're just going to gather around and close with a, a word of prayer. And man, I, I hope I'm not putting you on the spot. Mr. Staley, would you be honored to, to lead that prayer? So Nathan, I was going to have Nathan. We're tired of hearing him pray today. He's done twice. <laughs> if you'll lead, uh, lead us praying over Ben, I think that would be special. This is Mr. Staley. This is Ben's uh, father for those of you that are uh, visiting with us today. So this is a special moment. If you'll pray for us, brother. Thank you. Heavenly Father, as we approach, uh, Lord, with great humility, uh, we see the awesome task set before Ben as a servant leader. And Lord, I just pray for him, pray for your protection over him and his family <clears throat> as he um, learns the role of servant leader. And Lord, I pray that um, an outpouring of that, of doing that well at home will be a huge benefit to our church corporately and to his community. Lord, we're thankful for the calling. Lord, we're thankful for the opportunity to be about your kingdom work. And Lord, we look forward uh, to serving you well. We look forward to your coming. And Lord, we are so grateful uh, for the family, for the church family, Lord, and for our community and an opportunity to serve one another. And we give you thanks for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you. Thank you so much. Well, hey, you are dismissed. God bless you. Come by and uh, shake their hand. Tell them how happy you are for them. I hope you have an amazing weekend. Happy Thanksgiving. God bless you.